To all my moms moving on, I have something amazing for you. If you're ready to move on from your engagement ring, the experts at Worthy can help you turn it into cash, fast and risk-free. Worthy does all the work and their competitive auctions get you the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on with Worthy. Are you ready to move on too? Visit worthy.com slash moms to get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. That's worthy.com slash moms for a special bonus offer just for the Moms Moving On community. This week on Moms Moving On. You're not yet divorced, but you're in the process. What does that look like during tax season? Well, the first thing I want to say is don't assume that your spouse gets to take head of household and your spouse gets to get all the deductions because they make the money. Um, You know, it's so typical that everyone says, oh, I didn't think about that. And the spouse just says, well, no, I'm getting those deductions because I pay and I get the paycheck and blah, blah, blah. Right. So first, you got to be clear. You know, first of all, here's a little secret. First to file usually gets head of household, even if it isn't in your agreement. The IRS doesn't just check. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. And I know this isn't like the sexiest topic, but the truth is we have to talk about it because tax day is looming. And it's coming quickly. And I bet this is the first time you're thinking, oh my God, what do I have to do with these exactly? So I'm really glad that we have Karen and Catherine from My Divorce Solution back on the podcast with us today. They are a dynamic duo of women who help divorcing couples have a clear picture of their full marital estate. They help them understand the long-term consequences of the choices they make when they're dividing money so they can reach the best outcome for themselves and their families. Hello. Thank you for being back on the podcast today. Hello. Thank you for having us. We love being here. I feel like there's, you know, endless information about the finances and what to expect. I mean, it's it's amazing to me how many people reach out and they're just so terrified. You know, I just this morning got a text from a client like, she's like, hypothetically, if I took X amount of dollars in a settlement to get this done sooner, do you think that's good? And I'm like, listen, there's, there's so many different ways to look at that, but many of us don't understand the long-term financial picture that we need to, that we need to understand after divorce. Can you guys speak a little bit about um, My Divorce Solution and what you offer? Sure. So My Divorce Solution is a preparation platform for anyone thinking about going through or even getting near the end of a divorce. So um, on the preparation platform, you have a team of three, a certified divorce financial analyst, a legal liaison, and a client manager who help you go step-by-step in assembling your documentation and then applying the financial analysis. And then there's a settlement negotiation tool that helps you understand with what you have, what is available to you, what your options are, and so that you have the bandwidth, so to speak, um, to know when to compromise on your financial decisions. How did you guys decide that this was the steps you needed to take together in order to help divorcing families? 
<laughs> That's a good question. I come from the financial background. So when I went through my divorce 12 years ago, I negotiated my own agreement. I became a certified divorce financial analyst, and that was great. I just thought, well, if I'm scared, there has to be hundreds of women out there that are scared. I said hundreds. Now we know it's millions. And I thought, well, I have to help them understand what they have so they make good decisions. However, my agreement did not have the language in it to protect me. So I ended up in court a few years ago. I won, of course, because I had all the documentation, but I didn't have the language to protect that agreement. So when I started on saying we needed to get financial help, I knew we needed more help with having people follow through with their agreement and make sure it's protected. And I knew Karen, she was in the legal world, so I reached out to her um, and she could tell you about her background. So my, my background is 30 years in heavily litigation law firm. Um, I started there as a paralegal, and then I moved on to be the uh, business manager for the law firm. During that time, I also went through my own divorce. My children were five and seven, so I easily spent $50,000 on that custody battle because my entire approach was from pure emotion. So when we got to the financials, I could have cared less, and I gave it all away because all I cared about was the kids, and that's where I was spending my money. However, and and I'm going to say I had the best attorneys available to me and, you know, I still made very unclear financial decisions and frankly, parenting decisions as well, of course. And then several years later, after my divorce, I was still on the hook, still in a lawsuit um, because my uh, my marital settlement agreement did not protect me. I was named as a officer on my husband's business. And I was left with all the debt when he filed bankruptcy. So Catherine and I are so committed. The preparation avoids both of our issues. Because when you're then, if you take care of the financials, you know what you have, you know what the documents are, you're brave enough to ask for the information and the documents to support it. Then when you're in the arena, it's, it's so clear and you know, and it's more pragmatic and it's less emotional. And so because of our background and experiences, we are just committed to upending the divorce industry so people can know before they enter the arena. Know before you go, right? Knowledge is power. Yeah. I wish yeah, wish absolutely. I had that six years ago, but okay. So now tax season is upon us and I get the question all the time. You know, do we still file jointly? Do we file separately? Who claims the kids? Like, how does this all work? And it's nothing you really ever think about until you're in this situation. So maybe for anybody who's listening, who's on the brink of divorce or who is just starting the process, you can give them some clarity here. First of all, I want to start by saying we can make finances and taxes sexy because if you are empowered with financial awareness and knowledge, I'm telling you, you're going to walk more confidently. You're going to sit a little straighter. You're going to feel confident in conversations because you're going to feel like you're more intelligent. Um, and so getting this knowledge, I don't care if you walk away with one statement and you're sitting in the room and somebody mentions head of household and you, you're going to say, oh, gosh, I, I know about that now. I just heard it on the Shell's podcast, right? So, <laughs> Very empowering to get a little bit of financial knowledge and just start with one thing. Empowerment is sexy and knowing about your taxes is empowering. So I am eating my words. This is a very sexy topic, everybody. The sexiest. 
I love it. <laughs> so uh, I'd like you to comment back to Michelle and tell her how sexy it is, please. <laughs> yeah, let me know. Let me know how hot and bothered this may be. So, so we- you're not yet divorced, but you're in the process. What does that look like during tax season? Well, the first thing I want to say is don't assume that your spouse gets to take head of household and your spouse gets to get all the deductions because they make the money. Um, You know, it's so typical that everyone says, oh, I didn't think about that. And the spouse just says, well, no, I'm getting those deductions because I pay and I get the paycheck and blah, blah, blah. So first, you got to be clear. You know, first of all, here's a little secret. First to file usually gets head of household, even if it isn't in your agreement. The IRS doesn't just check. So first to file usually gets that um, unless you get audited. So if your children are with you, you know, the majority of the time, then you should claim head of household. However, the agreement might read that your spouse gets it. So just be careful in what you're negotiating away there. Um, Question though, if you just go and file first, and you get head of household, can that come back to bite you legally? Yes, it can. Well, you can get audited, yes. Okay. (laughs) So Catherine, just clarify, is this this before divorce agreement or after divorce agreement? Before agreement. Like you've started the process, but you're not finalized. You started the process, you're not finalized. Whatever you were on December 31st, so that means that you're still married, but you can file married filing separately or married filing jointly. So you're not going to file head of household there. Okay, got it. So you would want an accountant to do those calculations for you as to how it impacts your taxes, right? And your tax return, um, because it could be leveraged then into a marital settlement agreement. If you would, if you, if it was more tax beneficial to you to file separately, but your spouse wants you to file jointly, the savings for the spouse can be a part of the settlement agreement uh, to offset another asset. Yeah. So let's give an example of that, which is where I was going. So your spouse, you're negotiating and not negotiating, but you're talking about taxes. And your spouse just assumes you're going to file together because the year ended and that's what your status was. But you're saying, whoa, 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 I'm not sure I want to do that. So we always recommend to get an analysis from an accountant, whether you file jointly or separately, because it'll come back and I'll say your spouse, if he's the wage earner, might save $50,000. He might get if you file jointly. But you may have gotten $10,000 back if you filed by yourself. So filing jointly, you're losing that $10,000, but your spouse is gaining 50. So your negotiation is, sure, I'm going to do that, but I would like 25,000, half of what you're receiving back, or at a bare minimum 10. But I say go for half because I'm sure he'd rather give you 25 than have to pay the government extra money than or not get anything back, actually. Right. Right. So people rush to the the finish line, but that's really a very powerful tool and quite sexy, actually, if you come to the table with that knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) I keep bringing that up and I'll tell you why. I go to parties with women and I love being around women. And if if anyone wants to talk about sex or sexy stuff, they're all in. Everyone's talking about it. And if you mention money, taxes, everybody gets up and goes and gets more food to Uh, eat. It's so true. (laughs) <laughs> i'll be back See you later <laughs> but but i don't know you have like a way of like making it sound 
like it's, you know, like, no, for real. Like I don't, when I speak to you, I do get this surge of, okay, if I only knew what she knew, I'd be a lot better off. And that's empowering. <laughs> you do know what I know. Just keep listening to the podcast. <laughs> I But yes. here, here's a question. What about, so I have a lot of women who'll say to me, we're separated, but my ex just want, told me he wants to handle the taxes. And now I'm, I think it's because he might be hiding money or she, whatever. But I've heard that a lot. What do you say in that situation? Don't sign anything until you see the document. Yeah. And the supporting documents. That's where you're going to get the W-2s, the K-1, the 1099s, all the account information. So first of all, don't. it's not the time for your spouse to be signing a document for you. So you want to put your spouse on notice in writing, because if he or she's been signing your tax return for you previously, that essentially could be permission or authorization. But this year you're changing it. So this year you write an email and say, I do not give you authorization this year. This year I need to review it myself with the documentation. And this is okay. also when you want to do a comparison. What if you file separately? And what if you file together? How much is your spouse saving? And that's your negotiation. That's, I mean, that's something I, I never, ever would have thought of. Okay. So if you file separately, who's claiming the children? Well, that's a negotiation too, right? So again, that goes with that calculation. So it may be beneficial and your spouse may be telling you the truth that it is beneficial to the family as a whole if we file together because we'll save more money instead of giving it to the government, we keep it in the household. Okay, well, that's wonderful. But the spouse, the other spouse who doesn't have control of that money never really sees the benefit that it's keeping in the family, right? Because that person's usually controlling it. So yes, okay, yes, of course, spouse, I want to keep more money in the family than the government, but I want my, what's rightfully mine of that. And to file jointly, I want half back. Or guess what? I want 50% decision on what you're spending it on. So if we're putting it towards college or we're giving it towards their birthday party, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But, you know, you have a right to say that because it's rightfully yours. And if not, you'll probably get some money back on your own um, filing separately. It just won't be as much. Right. And and I correct me if I'm wrong, Catherine, but if your income is solely spousal support and child support, there's no tax consequences. So you don't even benefit from a deduction anyways. No, tax child uh, support and alimony are no longer taxable. Yeah, so it doesn't really help you to be charging down that road. If it's not beneficial to you, you should, you know, pick your ba- other battles. And I battles think so far. Really, yeah, and I think what's really <laughs> nice about that, it, and what's stronger your about sexy that, battles elsewhere. <laughs> what's stronger about that is you guys that, are never going to let me live this down. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> I understand. Um, I was waiting from the get-go when you said that. I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to charge in on that one. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's really so empowering just to even make that statement to your spouse. You know, just as Karen said, you know, send an email. I'm no longer authorizing you to sign our tax returns. You know, just sending that out, you're going to feel so much stronger. You know, It's, it's definitely scary for a woman to have to take that stance when in the marriage, their partner has largely been in control of the finances. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I could never say that. Well, you can, you just have to expect an emotional reaction that is not your problem. That's all. Exactly. You can't control somebody's reactions to you asking questions. I mean, you're really smart for asking questions and they're just questions. 
like, what is my benefit for filing jointly with you? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question, right? And if you have the data to support any question beforehand, you won't even care if they get emotional. So what I'm talking about is if you have that analysis completed and then you ask the question, you'll have the data to say, okay, well, wait a minute. I, I was told it was more like this, mm-hmm. you know? So um, once you start asking a couple of questions, I promise you, you're going to find it a little bit easier um, because you're asking questions, mm-hmm. not demanding. And I think a lot of people feel intimidated or vulnerable because it's always been a certain way. So when you were asking those questions, it was from a permission perspective, right? Can I have permission to see the supporting documents or whatever the it may be? But I think when you're approaching divorce or when you're in divorce, you're coming from a space of, I need information so I can make good decisions for myself. So you're not asking the questions to create an altercation or adversity. You're asking the questions so that you can make a good decision for yourself. And your spouse has, you know, the opportunity to do likewise. And I'm sure they will do likewise. They would never make a decision without having the information and neither should you. So that, you know, that sometimes help people to put it in a little bit of a different perspective when they're asking those questions that they haven't never asked before. They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. So what are some signs that maybe your spouse or soon-to-be ex-spouse might be doing something shady around tax season with the money? (laughs) Well, one is anyone who owns their own business. You know, you're going to see a Schedule C with a lot of write-offs. So they're going to write down their income. We've seen revenue at a million dollars, but then the company is running at a net loss, right? So the problem is, is when you go to do a support calculation, what's the number they're using to impute an income on him or her, right? So when, when when you look at your tax return, because you're promising us today that you're going to look at the tax return, just look for in the upper corner where it says Schedule C, if you own a business, an LLC, um, or your husband's self-employed, and look at those expenses. You know, so those expenses need to have receipts if you're audited. Now, your accountant generally doesn't ask for all those receipts. They're assuming you keep track of your own receipts and you're, if you get audited, you have to prove it. But in divorce, whenever we have to prove an income for support calculations, oh, it's great you had $50,000 in expenses. Can I have the receipts for them? Because as a CDFA, you need the data to support and verify a number. Right. So look at those, look at those numbers and then you can casually have conversations. Oh gosh, what kind of expenses are these? You know, and just write down anything that you hear because that could pay off in the long run. Um, that they mentioned things that they paid or what have you. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you're going to see if you get a refund 
Nobody really looks at the refund during a divorce. They just move on the way, but they didn't notice that maybe there's a $30,000 refund that your spouse marked the box to apply it to next year. Well, next year you're going to be divorced. You're not going to benefit from that. Wow. So you need to see where the refund's going. And there's also um, a routing number where it might be going to if it's being refunded to you. You know, so you guys are like, and it may be to a bank that. You, ha- you haven't even discovered yet. Exactly. You, I was going to say you guys are like female financial inspector gadgets. Do you remember? Inspector? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of information is right under your nose. It's just that we don't look at it, you know, because it's everybody's afraid of numbers. Um, you know, in other places you can see on the front page, people liquidate from their 401ks or their pensions. You know, you'll see it right there. So, you know, your spouse might say, oh, we don't really have a 401k. You know, oh, no, I don't really have a pension or an annuity. But then you see that they did a liquidation. You know, you could go back a few years on tax returns and sometimes see that. Right. Um, You know, that's another place. Another one that's really good is for income purposes. Again, you know, we have couples where one spouse is saying, wait a minute. Yes, we have $200,000 in that account, but we I have to pay taxes because we haven't paid our taxes, quarterly taxes yet. So really that $200,000 is only $50,000. $150,000 has to go to the taxes. Well, you can't just count it like that. That's money that's in there. Sure, that spouse might owe taxes, but they should have been paying that quarterly. Right. So you're missing some of the equitable distribution there by just allowing it to go for taxes because they then want to write that off the income. So they're writing it off their income and then they're writing it off their asset they save. So that's double dipping into the same money. Wow. Lots of shady things can happen. Check noted. Um, Ask questions, be firm, tell them that you're not signing off on anything you can't see. Look for shadiness. What's the number one mistake you see people make when they're filing taxes after divorce? Mm. After the divorce agreement? Yes. One is they give up that head of household uh, right off without getting a payback from it because it's a, it's a big tax difference if you're single or head of your household when you're on your own. Uh, that's what you're claiming moving forward. Uh, so that's a big mistake. The other one, um, as far as taxes go, it is... Again, I've seen a lot of with the uh, refunds not coming back to them. You know, the refunds being applied to the spouse's following year. Mm-hmm. Can you go after that? Or you can? Well, you can't. So they probably disclosed their tax returns if somebody didn't find it. So it's only that if you didn't disclose something that you can go back for equitable distribution. So somebody can give you a tax return and if you can't figure it out, what's in there, that's on you, right? They're not going to point it out to you, which is right. why we love our portrait because we would that would be consideration. Consider your prior year's refunds have been being applied to the future years. Right. You know, attorneys aren't going to flip through that and check. Right. So, so if you have the data in front of you, you need to be diligent about seeing what options are available to you with that data. Um, I think another one could be not anticipating tax consequences for divided assets, like capital gains, taxes, income on passive assets, right? right. Things like that, where you don't anticipate and then you have a big tax bill. bill. So really be aware of all uh, the tax impacts of your divorce settlement. That's really important. 
Very yes. good advice. Yes. Well, you guys, I mean, same with the house. By the way, a lot of couples now, because the interest rates are terrible out there again, you know, they've raised them. So a lot of people refinance or they had lower rates. So now it's a problem when you're going through a divorce. You know, your rents are as high as your mortgage payment because you have a low interest rate. So a lot of families are deciding to stay co-owners of the house until the youngest graduates high school or what have you to make it better for the kids or the family, which is all setting. That's all fine and good. But you have to be careful. You only have one or two I think it's one year now, one or two years to stay. If you sell it past that and you're divorced, two years past your divorce, you lose your $250,000 deduction um, off any gain of the home. And with the prices raising the way they have, there's going to be some gains out there. So you have to be careful when you make that agreement that you don't violate or lose that deduction from your house. Right. Yeah, for sure. So much to think about, ladies. What I, I came to you guys for the advice. Wow. Very <laughs> sexy stuff. Um, happy tax season, everybody. <laughs> My divorce solution is not just, I mean, it's not just all of these in-depth financial facts. It's a really supportive community for people trying to get a hold of the important stuff, their finances before they split. So I highly suggest you check them out. You guys have a course, right? Yep. Tell us about the course. course. So it is 12 lessons. Am I right on that? 10 lessons, about 12 minutes long. I apologize. All kinds of worksheets, all in the preparation of divorce. So you're going to hear terminology. You're going to get tips. You're going to hear a lot of how divorce is processed through. It doesn't matter what state you're in. There's no legal advice in it, but it's really another step of preparation so that you can be aware of a lot of things as you're approaching divorce, because it can be overwhelming. The language is completely different. There's so many terms that you've never heard of before. And there's so many things to think about and think through. And so this course tries to break it down, like I said, in 10 lessons in short increments that you can just refer back to so that when you're coming up on these things, like a quadro when you're dividing your retirement assets. You're not learning that for the first time. You've heard it. You can refer back to it and you can start building on your knowledge base. So helpful. Oh my God. I wish I had this. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. For everybody listening, please check out mydivorcesolution.com. Be in touch with Karen and Catherine if you have any questions. I know they're always happy to answer them. And we'll see you next time on Moms Moving On. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my moving on method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, Certified Divorce and Co-Parenting Specialist, and I founded the Moving On Method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. 
In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.